Hello there. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Sith Takers Snapshots podcast. My name's Bob D, and with me this evening, I've got two of the newest Sith Takers. That's Jamie Perkins. Hello. And Ed Bull. Hello there. Uh, we're going to chat tonight about rolling into 2.0 from a different kind of gaming background and, and what that experience is like. Ed, tell us a bit about how you came into X-Wing. I bought 1.0 Wave 1, 2 and 3 and then put it in a cupboard for about eight years. Never played it, just went, ah, oh, spaceships, yeah. Pew yep. pew, Star Wars. Um, did nothing with them. Jamie then got into X-Wing. He went, I need some ships. I went, here are some ships, have them. And he went, no, have them back, yeah. play with me. I had a cunning plan. I thought, if I'm going to get into this, I need opponents. No, you're going to keep them at, and you're going to play games with me. Uh, and, <laughs> since, and, and since then, I have bought many spaceships yes. and played many toys. And you like the little grey ones, right? The little grey ones and the little red ones and the sun tier who blows up far too often. So yeah. less of a fan of him of late. But yeah, the little grey ones and maybe the Jedi. And then I had a, a fling with Kylo okay. briefly. And, and you're both coming into X-Wing with a real background in gaming. You've won a couple of things here and there, haven't you, Jamie? Yeah, so I, uh, I used to play uh, Hordes and War Machine quite a while ago, and I managed to win four consecutive British Championships in a row, which was pretty decent. And then I flew around a little bit as well, I went and won a convention in America, TempleCon, and won something in Europe as well, I think it was in Holland, the Benelux Masters, so... And then help help set up the WTC, which is the, the the world team championships for War Machine. So yeah, quite a long time ago. But yes, I used to win things once. Okay. And what were you, what have you been playing before you came into X Wing? Not a lot actually. So I've been uh, I professionally help develop uh, Guild Ball for anybody that plays it. But and I play that a little bit competitively as well. But it's not really the same when you develop. It's a different love for a game when you're developing something. And even though I like to play it competitively, it's not quite the same as just tryharding a, a game like I used to do with War Machine. Um, whereas there is an element of trying to, you know, win at all costs is something that, that gets thrown around occasionally at times. But I would say that with a with a disclaimer of I always try and be polite to my opponents, and I believe it's a social gaming experience. Yeah, I was, I was you know, play play to have fun, but also I go and like to play to win games. Okay, um, and it's just a bit of a different attitude. Than, yeah. yeah, yeah. And how does the X Wing community compare with the the Hordes community so far? It's a difficult one for me to say because I think that the the, the reputation of the Hordes and War Machine community from the outside seems to be one of hyper competitives, and it's. All of, it's all a little bit cutthroat, but that was never my experience of it. But that might have just been my personal experience of it. But so I, I don't know if that matches up to, to what's been seen. But I, I, and I always thought that, that the War Machine community was quite nice to me. But that said, the X Wing community so far has been wonderful. I've, I've enjoyed every single game that I've played, and I've played uh, quite a bit in the short time I've played okay. the game. And everyone's been wonderful and fantastic. Everyone locally, when I've played a couple of local events as well, people that are not locally have been very, very polite to me. So. Excellent, excellent. And in terms of of getting better do you feel that you're still very much in that stage where every game makes a difference to how you think about the next one yeah absolutely i feel like there's there's a couple of stages to learning any miniatures game and the first thing you do is learn your faction and i've just been playing with rebels and i did that straight away and just thought i need to learn my faction know what my faction does and i did that i'm now at the stage where i'm trying to learn what other people's factions do and i'm in that sort of in between stage where i don't really know what everything does yep. so i've kind of been learning what questions to ask the opponent and what things to look out for what okay. things are dangerous to list i'm playing yeah so i know a little bit about stuff i'm playing against like i played ed quite a bit so i know how imperials work generally quite well now. okay but for the stuff i don't know so well like the extended imperial stuff i'll walk around the other side of the table have a look at the cards and i'm looking for things that are important to me so i was playing a game i'm thinking on the tuesday night event quite recently here and was playing against someone with a shuttle where they absorb all your target locks yeah and that immediately stood out to me because I'm playing with Dutch Vander in the list and obviously target locks are quite important to my output. Yep. So stuff like that, you need to look for what's 
a threat to your list and know what questions to ask, even if you don't know what the opponent stuff does. Okay. That's been quite helpful to me so far. Yeah. And how are you picking it up, Ed? I've enjoyed um, the difference, obviously, at the moment with the run-up to the system open. We're kind of thrashing extended. I enjoy aces. You've been flying 4x1s, haven't you? 4x1s, apparently, yeah. Did uh, Got that to a top eight at the Harlequins Hyperspace trial. Yeah, apparently they're terrible. Apparently not. Having not played in 1.0, I'm not jaded with hatred of, say, Sun TFL, who'll roll three blanks and end up with three evades. Yeah. Or whatever X1s did in 1.0, because I don't have that preconception. Vader, Merrick Steel, two of the I2 te- Tempests with fire control systems. So yeah, with Vader, Merrick Steel, two of the Tempests, all with fire control systems, Vader with hate, you kind of just fly at them. I've jousted Tie Swarms and done well. I've played against, I think, the only kind of ships that gave me trouble with people like Fenrell. Okay. So you don't like people moving around behind them? Uh, they turn around slowly because they don't have tight ones. Yeah. They only have tight twos and that is turning around slowly. The benefit with that and one thing that I've learned while flying the X1s is you stress control rather than range control. Yep. Once you've got a target lock, you kind of don't care because the fire control system gives it kind of a mod and a half in and of itself. Yes. You're modding your damage, but also you're getting the reroll. So if you end up doing a talon roll, taking a stress, so long as you can get a blue maneuver the following turn yep. you can do a soft one or soft two to chase the target get a focus and if you get into range one you're looking at realistically as an average output two hits and a crit yeah. without spending the target luck from having played against that a couple of times that's where it's super dangerous Is on the first engage everyone's a bit dangerous as long as you've done it right but then on the second and third engage you've got a consistently higher level of decent modding, kind of in almost any situation you want, as long as you're planning for not bumping, I guess. That that's a list that isn't by any means an archetype. It's it, oh, you're it's, the only person I've heard of running it. Yeah, it, it kind of caused a storm in a teacup for all of about half an afternoon in on the FFG forums. Um, hence Crazy Diamond. Hence Crazy Diamond. But I I don't know what I would change in when we go back to hyperspace after the system open. Yeah, I'm like, oh, Jedi's, 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 ah, oh, Anakin, you know, 121 point Anakin and and a 37 point Jedi Knight and run with a 50 point bid and be that guy. No, because people will play into that. So, from the, the competitive yeah, yeah, yeah. end, especially those who've been around X Wing for so very long, they're going to go, ah, oh, 4X bonds, what, what on earth is this terrible list? And I'm just going to fly at you and crit you to death. Yeah. You know, that has a. That allows me to develop an advantage because of what the opponent's going to be thinking before even turn zero in the rock deployment. And 1.0 thinking is definitely a handicap for some players. P- people who use it as, as a yardstick or sort of lean on it, yeah. Sun Tierfell was apparently terrible. Now he just explodes if you get him in arc. Dodge the arcs and he's really quite good. Don't dodge the arcs and he dies very quickly terrible in the sense that he was just a horrible play experience and he just never should have been in the game I, I and would, if I would, only they just hadn't even thought of it. I, I wouldn't know Bob wouldn't know. I've got my views <laughs> Yeah like if you're going to make a preconception that is based off old data then that is disadvantage you Yeah. Um, that That's fine if you want to take that view to start with um, but then when I for example fly forward take a target lock and three dice and you know hit crit you with four ships in turn one, you're gonna be losing shields and taking crits. And yeah, if that's nice. 
that, yeah. that's kind of useful. So you think you'll be picking that back up when uh, we, we get back into playing hyperspace? I as yeah, I might have a flutter with the Jedi uh, and maybe the the double infiltrator Grievous list. Because you both you both started out focusing very much on hyperspace because it was very much for newer players. Yeah, I, I think that's well for me. That's still true. I still I'm still technically flying a hyperspace list. Even I just don't mind playing it in extended events at the moment at all. It's not. Like I was initially quite worried about it, just jumping into something that I had no idea or kind of stuff that was out there. And hyperspace initially very attractive for new players because it gives you a very limited amount of stuff that you want to go and learn. If you want to go and be competitive, you don't have to go and learn this enormous swamp of information, which which was was kind of, I suspect it was definitely for me personally preventing new players. I imagine from coming at the end of. 1.0 because there's it's so intimidating this amount of information you've got to learn but with hyperspace it's the barrier to entry is through the floor it yeah, was yeah, right. it's gone a little bit up with the, the additions to the, the wave 3 ships or whichever wave it is where you get the interceptor coming in yeah. and such yeah. like but it's, it's still a relatively low barrier to entry there's not infinite permutations yeah. and um, they're all recognisable movie ships you know, yeah, the, the, the sure. interceptors look like they're going to go really fast and, mm. and do a little bit of shooting. And the uh, the bombers look like they're going to plod mm. along and, and drop bombs and stuff. I mean, I, mean, I literally picked up the Rebels first because I just wanted to fly the Falcon around. Just wanted to play games with the Falcon. And, yeah. and was just, even before the points change, was playing with Han just because I wanted to play with Han and the, the Falcon and whatever. I made a list that kind of just about worked. And the points change came in. Everyone was like, my list got up by 20 points. I was like, mine's gone down by 10. <laughs> You're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, as, yeah. as someone involved in, in developing games, do you start to think, oh, well, they could do this and they could do that, or are you happy to take it just as a product and, and play with it as intended? It never switches off at all. You always have those kind of thoughts, but I just try to not have them and just try and enjoy the, the game as much as I can. Layers underpointed. Like, layers underpointed, <laughs> admittedly, as a Rebel player. Um, I initially, like, it's interesting watching some of, the, some of the things they've done, really, and trying to work out the thought process behind it. And Things like when they did the supernatural reflexes change, and I thought, initially yeah, thought, well, that's ridiculous. They've just killed the card from the game. Uh, and it was really weird, trying to diff- difficult trying to understand the reasons why they did that, and then seeing Initiative Six Anakin coming out of, of uh, Republic and going, "Okay, now I understand. Anakin, yes. I now understand why they did that because that model is <laughs> that, that ship is uncatchable when it has when it's yeah. supernatural." Yeah, absolutely. And and with hindsight, it's, it's easy to see that they were thinking ahead to the the Jedi starfighters arriving. Yeah, which is great. And and yeah, that there is some real foresight going on. Yeah. And, and in my opinion, a game with the ridiculous amounts of complexity in terms of the different amount of upgrades and section you can edit your ships with the X-Wing has overall I think frankly they do a really good job of balance personally yeah well I tend to agree with that but then I have a pretty generous view of, of balance for them and, and how balance and unbalance actually makes the game better I think it's it makes it interesting um, and it, it, I think a, a small degree of, of, of like balance isn't a straight balance isn't a thin line people think it is sometimes it's not this infinitely thin line that everything has to hit it's an area of acceptability it's a standard deviation like you can have you can have things that are powerful but still acceptably strong and you yep. can have things that are not powerful but still kind of like they're still acceptable because they can be played and it and if you have that level of a small amount of acceptable imbalance then that breeds creativity and you're thinking I can take this ship that people perceive as weak that's still usable using it in a slightly different way and then immediately you add strength to that because you've innovated a different way of playing with it Yeah, that is, is very important to have to a game and I think the X-Wing has that person I think, yeah. I think case in point in exactly that talking on supernatural reflexes for the I3 Jedi Knights it's 8 points you go let's get 4 of them give them supernatural reflexes that's 180 points I've got 20 points to play around with it might be terrible but until you put four I3 supernatural reflexing Jedi Knights on the table, 
you don't know that, and the, the hyper maneuverability that it gives might be something that's at least worth trying. Could be completely wrong. I don't know, but it, it's it, going to speed them up. But it's it, 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 only a good thing. It gives that level of innovation, which is where you get the meta wheel coming around, and you know something that's not a not a meta list. And how do you divide the value of theory crafting from actually getting stuff on the table to follow on from that? I mean, we, we can all sit and everyone's got like 100 lists in their list building well, app that they'll never play. I mean, the, the ideal list here is the, the quad X wants. It's terrible. Well, uh, I came with no preconceptions went, oh, it looks good because, you know, they've got three evade, they've got five health each, and oh, wait, I'm getting three red dice once we've got a target lock. I played it. It's not terrible. Well, um, you, you played it and played it and played it and played it until you got better at learning the nuance to it. Oh, and yeah. Then you, and then you've added you've added your player skill and experience to the quality of the inherent quality of the list itself. I mean, the, the first dozen games I played, I just lost because I'm like I'm still crashing into myself and getting right. no actions yeah. and yeah. just yeah. dying. Yeah. In, in terms of actually taking theory crafting and trying it, you you don't necessarily have to play games. You just have to get reps. And whether that's play ten games where you play the first two turns and see what happens, play the first engage. Or, you know, you play it to a point where you go, we're, we're 35 minutes in, I've, you've killed three of my ships, I'm going to run around with this one but lose on points or whatever. And it depends whether you come at it from a casual or competitive. If you want to go competitive, you, you kind of just get those reps in and see what happens. Yeah. So is that what you guys are doing at Steamforge at lunchtime? We tried, no. I tried it, but lunchtime. What's that? We tried, tried to fit games to lunchtime, but it's a bit too stressful trying to get all the setup done and stuff. We've tried it before, though. So we tend to get a lot of games in after work. Just, just finish the office work and roll into the next room and go and play some games. She's been cool. Got quite a few games in that way, actually. Yeah. And uh, like me, me personally, in terms of just getting those reps in, I since starting the game a long four months ago now, I've only ever played three lists at all, which. I know some people think that sound like a lot, but to a competitive player, I've probably played something close to 100 games now. That's not many lists to have played with, and it's I've only ever played with small variations, like changing the upgrades around and stuff. Yeah, just trying to get better with those lists. I played with Protops before the um, the points, points update. Then we're playing around with Han and Wedge and a U Wing, and I'm now we're playing with Tom Reed's Selfless Rebels list, um, which is uh, going quite well. And, and I just playing those lists over and over again to get better at them, and I find them interesting enough because, as we said earlier, I'm finding things in each game where I can take away and go, I've learned one thing, learn one thing there, learn one thing there, a little bit of position improvement, and it's. The thing I've really enjoyed about playing X-Wing is that through not having to have poured loads more money into new toys, I've taken the toys that I've been playing with since the start, played with them repeatedly, and noticed myself getting better each time. Yeah, yeah. the return on, on learning is fantastic. It's, it's really rewarding, personally. It, it's, it's something that I've done very recently in Extended, where I was playing the Aces with Sun Tier, Whisper, and Vader, with how I noticed from my own playstyle, I was maximising the equity and the value I was sort of return I was getting from Whisper. Suntier was blowing up and going chase me for a turn, maybe getting throwing the tie game, maybe getting one shot off and then exploding because it's Suntier. So I've dropped Suntier from my extended aces. Tried Echo, no, because that <laughs> bendy D cloak is <laughs> mad. Yeah, um, I told you. <laughs> so so it's just a, it's a Sigma at the moment. Yeah, right. Um, because it's it's the same as Whisper, I can extract the value, and Vader's Vader. Um, and you can see what, you, what you're drifting towards there. You know, um, you stick a Sigma in, we're going to a place, oh, aren't is we? It, is, 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 that, is that two phantoms? That's, oh, that's 100% more phantoms. It's like 100% more phantoms. The problem with that is 100% less Vader. Yeah. It's like, mm, I don't know, I don't know. Will I try it? Probably. Will I enjoy it? I'm not sure, because it is so... 
it's a bland trick that works. It's, I'm going to do this, I'm going to ha- hit it with you until you're dead. Yeah. I would be interested in trying what my current iteration against the Quad Phantoms, because I don't know whether Vader and Whisper can get one off, get get a Phantom off before they get shot back. Okay. With yeah. the initiative. Maybe not. It's, it's also just kind of cool to play a list that is personal to you. No. Like, like, one, that's kind of... There's an element of power there, because... Yeah. If you have a unique list, you will inherently know that more than anybody else in the room, if you practice with it more, etc. Whereas you could play the Quad Phantoms and come up against someone that's played twice as many practice games as you, in which case you're at a massive disadvantage straight away. Whereas if you're playing with something that you've customised yourself and got more practice in with, then you can use that to fullest extent, and you ultimately have more practice with your list than anybody else does. Yeah. And you become, you become associated with the list. I mean, certain players become associated with certain lists. I mean, Jack Mooney is always going to be... Uh, Han and Jake yeah. and he's still trying to put Han and Jake yeah. together in 2.0 however much he gets told that it is not the list that it was I mean if he enjoys it ultimately that's you know yeah. he, he enjoys it he still wins games with it some and I have um, no idea who Jack Mooney is or Jake Mooney has see you're such a 2.0 player you're such a 2.0 player the thing is I know him because I played him at Armada as well <laughs> um, he kicked my head into that as well he's quite good isn't he yeah he's not bad he's not bad I think one thing that's interesting touching on quad phantoms is crack shot or not on the fourth. Yeah. I think it's no because it gives you the choice. It depends how you play your quad phantoms. In the mirror? Yeah. In the quad phantoms mirror, do you want the choice to have initiative or not? You, I feel you would want that choice so you don't take crack shot. Yeah. Is, is kind of where I would feel. But you wouldn't drop one of the dukes. To try and have that choice in the mirror against the people who've dropped crack shot so that they have the choice in the mirror. Yeah, but how many people are dropping crack shot? Yeah, exactly. Not as many as I think or what I would expect. And, you know, for, for that tiny, tiny bit that you do end up with in the mirror, if, you, if you're a, a, an ace phantom dodger yep. all over the place in that mirror, having that choice before turn zero, having the information of what rocks they're going to bring probably works in your favour okay. um, whether that means you actually take the initiative and move first to bump with the decloak or not I don't know but I think having the choice is better than a dice roll nice nice okay interesting stuff uh, next week of course everybody's going to Milton Keynes and I mean everybody's going to Milton Keynes which apart is from super me and Jamie exciting. who aren't going what what <laughs> almost everybody is going to Milton Keynes so we'll be back next week with some special broadcasts all about what to look forward to uh, at the weekend there uh, I'm really looking forward to it it's going to be a fantastic event and they are now comfortably over the 600 it's going to be a big one I would be going but I'm busy oh. so. in the meantime it's goodbye from Jamie goodbye and goodbye from Ed. Bye-bye. And it's goodbye from me, Bob D. Ta-da. There's a message floating in the air. Come from crazy horses riding everywhere. It's a warning, it's in every tongue. Got to stop them crazy horses on the
bit. Here we are, here we are. I'm just testing, I'm just testing. Hello, nerds. Hello there. Is the start, isn't it? <laughs> Hello there. Hello there. Yeah, that's all good. So you can uh, start with 